Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. listening to the technical file podcast for sunday july 8th 2018 i am your host manny fresh uh hope everybody's having a great sunday uh i am it's finally starting to feel like summer uh where i live finally well it's been warm but you know it's kind of been it's been weird it's been like it's been you know we'll have like two days where it's really warm and then we'll have like two really cloudy breezy days then we'll have like a day of rain mixed with sun and then like we'll have hot again. So it's like, it's kind of, it's kind of been a weird, uh, beginning to summer here in Washington state, but it's, it's finally starting to feel like summer. Um, and like I said before, it doesn't really get too hot here. I mean, we have about a week stretch where it really gets hot. Like maybe, you know, maybe like a week to 10 days where it's like above 90, maybe 88 to 90 ish degrees, you know, random times it might get a hundred here and there but for the most part i mean we never really have those hot hot days some summers it depends you know some summers are hotter than other summers but for the most part it's mostly 75 to about 85 70 87 degrees give or take um so yeah it's starting to feel like summer finally so um hope everybody's enjoying the weather staying staying cool i know there's been a heat wave all throughout the country i know the east coast has been hot and you know down south is always hot of course so um hope everybody's staying cool but um my bad for no show last week i actually had a show recorded ready to go edited everything last week i did it during the day obviously like when i when i normally do my shows and i had it ready to load and i was like you know, and my thinking was like, well, we weren't going to get an announcement from LeBron last Sunday. That was my thinking. I was like, at, at the very, very earliest, we would probably get an announcement maybe Tuesday before the 4th of July. Cause that's what, that's what kind of the rumors were that he was going to make a decision before July 4th. But I, I figured maybe like Monday or Tuesday. So I figured, okay, put the podcast up. You know, I had talked about the Lakers and, you know, whether they should sign LeBron or not, you know, uh, Obviously, free agency, Chris Paul, Paul George, all that stuff, and then of course I had talked about some Yankees, Red Sox stuff. So, so I had I had a full show already planned, ready to go, and of course, like I'm, like I'm feeding my daughter, and you know, like I'm getting that done so I can upload the podcast, and of course the LeBron news breaks, and of course anything driven by LeBron, it's like world breaking news. 
<laughs> so, you know, I jumped on a couple podcasts. I did a guest appearance on the um, the Dead End Sports podcast last week. Shout out to those boys um, for having me on the show last week. If you haven't listened to it, go check that out. Um, it's Dead End Sports. You can find it everywhere. iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere. Anywhere you can find podcasts, Dead End Sports, we're there. YouTube as well. Um, so, you know, I jumped on the show. You know, we, we you know kind of did our instant reactions to LeBron. And then I'm sitting there like, man, should I really post this? podcast episode because now it's like completely null and void. like sometimes like you don't care like when when like big news comes out because you know you still have a, a show that that covers a lot of different topics so you know it, most people can kind of forgive you when you don't you're not current on that on a particular topic like if, like i've had shows where like i've done something on a particular topic and then a breaking news happens like literally after i post my show so you know most of the times if like but i felt like with with the lebron signing and obviously everybody knows i'm a laker fan it kind of was like okay i can't post this show now like it kind of i mean i could have posted it still but eh, i felt like you know what let me just take a week off let the news and everything marinate and then I'll come back next Sunday, rock and roll and ready to go. So um, I tried to line up a couple guests, but with the 4th of July holiday and all that, um, it just became tricky. So, um, you know, I, I, I kind of I kind of scrapped the podcast and I was like, you know what, let me just uh, let me just you know record a new episode this week. So that's where we're at. So if you guys were looking or wondering for an episode last week, uh, sorry, we didn't get an episode out, um, you know wasn't planned. It was certainly going to be an episode last week, but we just didn't just get did uh, for the LeBron news. Thanks, LeBron. Um, it kind of just became pointless to drop an episode talking about what if LeBron signed and then LeBron signs, ta-da, like a couple hours later. So, And then I didn't want to have to come back like on Monday or Tuesday and do another episode of the podcast talking about LeBron. So I figured I'd wait. And uh, so that's why we're here. So obviously the big news, LeBron uh, is a Laker now. Um. Honestly, I, it's it's weird to wrap my head around it because I don't know. Like, it's still weird for me because I, I I talked about it on on DES last week and I talked about it on Twitter and Facebook and some other places that it, it's weird for me because I've I've spent what 13, 14 years of my life hating on LeBron James and now he's going to be on my team. It's like the ultimate sports karma. Like the sports gods were definitely fucking with me <laughs> when this decision happened. It's like, ah, you know what would be fun to put his most hated player on the team he loves the most. Like it's like, geez, like really, that's like putting Bryce Harper on the Mets. It's a little different because I don't hate Bryce Harper to the level that I hate LeBron James, but um, it's similar. You know, it's similar. It's like putting Tom Brady on the Jets. It's like, really? Like, this is where we're, and I'm forced to root for this guy now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, he's a Laker. So, um, I've had a week to digest it. And I, I mean, really, there is no surprise. I mean, this has been in the works now for about a year. Everybody's been talking about it. Everybody knew that there was some possibility. Um, I always kind of felt that there was, there was a stronger possibility that he would stay. Um, Maybe that was wishful thinking. Who knows? But I always kind of felt like there was a strong possibility that he would stay. Um, because I don't think I, the things, the reasons that I argued were number one, why would he go to LA and compete with the Warriors straight on like that? Like, why would you go to, if you're having trouble beating the Warriors two times a year and in the finals, why would you go to the Western Conference where you have to play the Warriors four times and, you know, play them in the conference semis or something? Like, it made no sense for me, but, that was the reasons that I argued, and 
And also his ties to Cleveland. And I was kind of felt like did LeBron kind of want to do that again? Did he want to leave Cleveland again after everything that had happened in the past with the decision? Although things are different this time. Um, it's not the vitriol or the anger I, I sense. I think, I, I think if you, I think if Cleveland fans were kind of honest with themselves, I think they kind of feel like, you know what? It, it, it was time. I, I don't, I don't want to say all of them. But I think there is a, an element of, you know what, it's time to move on. We've done this for 13 years or so on and off. Um, you know, it's, maybe it's time for a change. Maybe it's time to, to, to freshen things up around here. I, I, I'm, I'm just totally guessing here. I, Cleveland fans are probably depressed and I have some Cleveland fans in my family. They're upset. <laughs> so I don't want to act like I am the voice of, of Ohio because I'm not, but. Um, it doesn't seem like it's the same anger or vitriol that, that was involved with the decision. Obviously things are different now. Um, he did win a championship there. Um, you know, LeBron seems a little bit more mature in that respect as far as just kind of not making a spectacle of things. Um, so the, so the level of anger is, is a little different, but I always kind of felt like when push comes to shove, LeBron was going to stay in Cleveland or at least I, I didn't think he would stay long term. I kind of saw it as he probably signed another one in year and an opt out, which I, you know, and I talked about the, 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 the unreleased podcast, I'm going to call it the unreleased episode last week where I was imploring LeBron. I was like, if wherever you sign, like commit long term, like commit long term enough with these one and outs, one and dones, two and one, two and an opt out year contracts. Like it, it's, it's annoying. And I feel like it really hurts the team. I, you know, a lot of people disagree with me with that. I think it, I think it hurts the teams he's on because I think there's this constant state of limbo. There's a constant state of flux that, you know, is this guy committed long term? Is he leaving? Is he staying? Is he going? You know, it, I, you know, I do think it hurts. I don't know about Miami because you know he was in Miami for four years, but I think it definitely hurt him in Cleveland the last four years that it's been a constant state of you know is he gonna is he here for the long term is he not here for the long term is he here is he coming is he staying is he go I, I felt like that has hurt him especially in Cleveland not so much in Miami but I definitely think it's hurt him in Cleveland um, it hasn't hurt him too much obviously he won a championship and got the four straight finals but um, I do feel like it hurt him and. Um, you know, so I implored him to say, you know what, hey, sign long term, commit long term, and that's what he did. He signed a four year contract, one hundred and thirties. I I always get the figures wrong, sorry, um, but he signed a hundred million dollar plus max contract, four years with the Lakers. So he showed the Lakers that he's. I mean, I know it's got an opt out after the third year, but essentially it's a four year contract. Um, that was the first surprising thing, um, besides the fact that he actually. I wasn't surprised that he made the decision. Um, it, it kind of was the writing was on the wall that he was going to go to LA. I think it was way more wishful thinking from my part that he would stay because I didn't want LeBron. Look, I've ne- I'm a LeBron James hater. I've never said that LeBron's not great. I've never come on any show, any podcast, even before I had a podcast. I've never said LeBron was never great. Like I'd be an idiot to sit here and tell you that LeBron's not a great player. My issue with LeBron is when people try to compare him to Michael Jordan, and he's not. He's not Jordan. He's he's never going to be Jordan. He's just not. He's just not. Like, and we don't even need to get into the arguments of why is it. That's a whole nother episode of a podcast. My issue with LeBron has been the things that he's done on the court. 
his passive aggressiveness, his things that he's done, his pettiness that he's done with teammates, how he's tried to basically control him and his team have tried to control the narrative around LeBron for decades and, you know, for a decade plus now. Um, some of the things that he's done, you know, firing coaches, you know, running teams, you know, things of that nature, things with teammates are constantly crying and complaining about not having enough, enough players, enough, you know, things like, th- things like that. The little things that are unbecoming of a great player, of a player of LeBron's stature. Those are the things that I've always had a major gripe and complain about LeBron, but I've never argued his greatness. Like I've, I've never, I could sit here and maybe debate, you know, where he stands as far as the all time greats. You know, some would put him at number two. I wouldn't necessarily put him there just yet. So those are the things I've argued, but I've never argued his greatness. Like I've always felt like LeBron James is one of the 10, 15 greatest basketball players we've ever seen. Duh. Like <laughs> at this point, it's almost stupid to even argue that. But that's always been my issue with LeBron. And plus, like the 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 the, the, the you know the the entourage that travels with LeBron, Rich Paul, Maverick Carter, all those guys, and how I feel like they try to run organizations. I don't know how that's – I don't think that's going to fly so much in L.A. because I think Jeannie Buss is a strong personality. The Lakers are the Lakers. The Lakers are a brand onto themselves. It's not like this is the Cavaliers and LeBron James is bigger than the Cavs. LeBron's not bigger than the Lakers. The Lakers have been around before LeBron. They're going to be around after LeBron. So LeBron, LeBron's not bigger than the Lakers. And not to mention LeBron, you know, the Lakers have Magic Johnson, a similar huge personality. The Lakers have, uh, as I burp, the Lakers have uh, Jeannie Buss. So they have an infrastructure already in place there that I don't think it's going to allow Matt Ricard and Rich Paul, these guys, to come in and try to run the franchise. And that was a problem that he had in Miami. You know, he tried to basically run the franchise in Miami. Miami was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Pat Riley was like, yo, 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 ch- 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 no, 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 no. We're not doing that here. I- I'm the, I'm the head honcho here. And I think that that's what caused an issue between them two. But so I just didn't want all that drama. But I mean, hey, I, you know, I've had a week to kind of sit on it. And of course, LeBron coming to the Lakers, it puts the Lakers back on the map. The Lakers have not been this relevant in five years. I, you know, the Lakers have been in it you know, probably the worst part of their franchise, really, in a long time in their history. The Lakers have missed the playoffs now for five straight years. They've been a under 500 team now for five straight years. They've been really irrelevant. I mean, they've been relevant in this. The Lakers irrelevant is still more relevant than like the Hornets <laughs> or the, or the, you know, or the, you know, pick a team, the Kings. So I don't want to say like they're irrelevant on that scale, but they've been irrelevant as far as the national conversation, as far as talking about basketball in April, May, June. They've been irrelevant. So, Obviously, getting LeBron, like that changes the entire conversation. Now the Lakers are back to being the Lakers. Now the Lakers are back to being front and center, the biggest talk in sports, or at least the biggest talk in the NBA. The Lakers, you know, to go along with the Warriors and everything that the NBA has to offer. But the Lakers are right back there, flat dab in the center of the conversation. So that's the positives of bringing LeBron James into LA. And then the fact is that LeBron, everywhere he goes, LeBron wins for the most part. Um, I do want to debunk this myth that LeBron has done trying to win championships and that he's, you know, a lot of people have said it like he's entered the mogul phase. You know, I know Cal, Cal, Cal heard, um, you know, argued that on his show this week that LeBron's, you know, in his mogul and, and he made a, a very good argument about, you know, guys in the three levels of their careers. 
um, the show me phase, the wing, the, the accolades phase, and then the, the, the mogul phase. And then people argue that LeBron's in the mogul phase now, that he's not so much about winning championships now, but about building his brand and legacy. And I agree with that to a certain extent, but I disagree with this in this sense. It's not like he went to the, you know, it's not like he went to the Kings where the Kings have nothing. The Lakers have a lot of great young players, a lot of guys with a lot of upside. Guys that are better than the guys that he had in Cleveland. Like, I know people would say, well, you know, Kevin Love is better than, than, you know, than, than Brandon Ingram. And I'm like, no, at least right now, you could probably make that case. Now, now Kevin Love is more accomplished, keyword accomplished than Brandon Ingram or Kyle Kuzma or Alonzo Ball or whoever. But I actually, right now, I actually, I actually gun to your head right now for the next five years. Would you rather have Kevin Love or would you rather have Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma? To me, that's a simple answer. You rather have Kuzma and Ingram. Long term, upside wise, you're going to be better bets to bank on than you know Kevin Love. It's, that's just a fact. But you know, this idea that LeBron is going to the Lakers and he's basically done winning championships because there's nothing around him. It's a bunch of garbage. Brandon Ingram, I think, is going to get better by playing with LeBron James. I think Kyle Kuzma is going to get better by playing with LeBron. So these guys are infinitely going to get better, immediately going to get better by playing with LeBron James. Like that's two guys right there that have a chance to be really, really good players, special players in this league. And they're now going to be in a situation where they get to play against with LeBron James. And then of course you have Lonzo and Lonzo is a, a separate category in all of this alone because it, you know, there's been a lot of rumors that Lonzo leaked his injury about the meniscus tear so that he could avoid being traded. Who knows? I don't want to get into speculatory stuff because, you know, we'll probably never know the full answer of that stuff. I'm always a big believer that where there's where there's smoke, there's fire. I don't want to sit there and say that there's no way that he did that. I think that there's definitely something to that. I wouldn't put it past Lonzo and LeVar. Well, I shouldn't say Lonzo. I wouldn't put it past LeVar to do that. But, um, you know, it's going to be interesting how, Le- how LeBron and Lonzo are. They're, they're too, they're, on the surface, it would seem like it's not going to work because, A, Lonzo's a guy who dominates the basketball. He's a point guard. He's a pure passing point guard. And in a lot of ways, LeBron is a pure passing point guard. So it's going to be interesting how those two dichotomies play. You know, LeBron has not been really successful with guys who have been point guards. Um, Kyrie, when he got to Cleveland, although Kyrie's more of a combo guard, um, so Kyrie, it was easy for Kyrie to kind of play off the ball a little bit more with LeBron. I don't know if Lonzo has that same capabilities, especially with his lack of shooting. So that's going to be interesting. And then then you throw in the aspect that the Lakers signed Rajon Rondo. And I, if you guys know me, you guys know I love Rondo. I love, love Rondo. I think Rondo helps. If you keep Lonzo, I think Rondo can help Lonzo. Because to me, I've always said this, that Lonzo to me is a cross between Jason Kidd and Rajon Rondo. And I would say more Rondo than Jason Kidd. Like to me, Lonzo is a taller, more athletic Rajon Rondo. And I think that having Rondo there, having that experience, his mind, say what you want to say about Rajon. You know, Rajon to me is a smart basketball player. He's a guy that I think could help Lonzo in a lot of different areas. He's not going to help him shooting, that's for sure. But he's going to help him in a lot of different areas. And But there's also a scenario where you could see the Lakers essentially saying, you know, 
we're tired of the Lonzo act. Let's trade him to a, you know, whatever. I don't, I don't think this, I don't think you're trading him to the Spurs for Kawhi, but let's trade him somewhere and get a draft pick or let's trade him somewhere and get another star or let's trade him somewhere to get something back. You could definitely see that scenario. Absolutely could see that scenario. Will it happen? I, I don't think so. I don't, I think if the Lakers were going to trade Lonzo, I think they would have traded him by now. I really believe that. I don't think they're going to trade Lonzo. I think at least for the start of the season, I think Lonzo's going to be there. It's going to be very interesting to see who wins that point guard. You know, because all the things you're hearing is that the Lakers brought Rondo in to compete with Lonzo um, and to kind of push Lonzo. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that competition kind of plays out. Um, But yeah, I mean, you know, LeBron's a Laker and... I've warmed up to the idea some, I guess. I mean, again, I like the pluses more than I hate the minuses. Um, and people have asked me all week, like, oh, how are you going to manage, man? Blah, 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 blah. You hate LeBron. Look, I don't love LeBron now. I know I made a video on Facebook Live and, you know, let the healing begin and all that. But look, let's be real here. I'm still a LeBron James hater, but it's been suspended. We've made a business decision. We've made a mutually beneficial business decision. You know, I don't like LeBron. I'm sure LeBron doesn't like the people that don't like him, obviously. <laughs> but we're 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 in a mutually beneficial relationship. As long as LeBron does what LeBron does, he goes out there, he plays hard, um, he makes us better, he makes us, you know, infinitely better immediately, and we have an opportunity to compete for championships for the next four years, maybe even win a couple. We're good in my book. In my book, we're good. It's a business decision. If LeBron comes to LA and he's a bust, he's hurt, you know, he's past his prime, he doesn't compete well, you know, a, a, a litany of things can happen. Then you'll see that hate kind of resurface back again. So right now, I would say that LeBron James hate is on suspension. It's a business decision. Look, you know, Steve Jobs and Apple and Bill Gates and Microsoft worked together. They collaborated with each other. They made business deals together. They didn't like each other, but at the end of the day, they were both smart enough to make business decisions together and business deals together. It's the same thing. <laughs> now, I'm not trying to compare myself to Bill Gates or Steve Jobs. I want their bank accounts, of course, but I am not trying to compare myself to those to those geniuses. I am a cocky motherfucker, but I'm not on that level. But anyway, so the point is that this is a business decision. This is a business arrangement. So... That's where I'm at with the LeBron James signing. Um, I like it. It, it, it puts the Lakers back on the map. I have some concerns about everything that LeBron James brings to an organization from the bad aspects of it. The, the politician, the kind of back, backroom dealer. Look, I want LeBron on the Lakers. I just don't want LeBron trying to be the GM. Let Magic and Rob build the best team possible and LeBron just goes out there and plays. And I think that that's what's gotten LeBron in trouble in the past is that LeBron has tried to be LeBron the basketball player, LeBron the coach, and LeBron the GM. And I think that you're going to run in trouble. You're going to run into trouble more times than not when you try to play those those three roles as a player. Um, so it's where I'm at with that. The Lakers made some flurry of moves. Um, really something I like. It was a fucking signing bonanza for the Lakers. It was weird. Like I've never seen that. Like you make a big signing and then it's like three or four signings after that, that, um, kind of come in succession. Um, I'm not sure I love all the signings. Like they signed JaVel McGee and I'm like, okay, uh, JaVel's, JaVel's a nice player and he's, he's really found himself 
with the Warriors the last couple years. Um, I like JaVale as a backup center. I'm, I'm not sure that on the Lakers, I like JaVale as a starter. And I still think that's why they're looking for a, a starting center because I don't think that, I don't think they view JaVale as a starting center. Um, they went out and signed Lance Stevenson. And then, of course, they signed Rajon Rondo. And I like the Rondo move because I like Rondo as a player. I think Rondo, if nothing helps, if he accepts the role, he's a very good mentor slash backup point guard to Lonzo. And if Lonzo busts or doesn't or, or is not ready, he's not healthy, can't take the pressure, can't play well with LeBron, then Rondo can step in and start. We've seen that before. We can see it again. Lance... I like Lance Stevenson. I think Lance Stevenson is one of those guys that you hate if he's on the team you're playing against or you love if he's on your team. Like, that's the thing with Lance Stevenson. Like, you love him when he's on your team and you hate him when he's on the opposition. So, and, and look, Lance Stevenson's a playmaker. He's a tough guy. He's a tough minded guy. He's a defensive guy. He can, you know, he has his moments where he can score. Um, you know, I, I don't mind that deal. I, I don't love it, but I don't mind it. I think the Lakers need more consistent shooting, and I think that's the one thing with, with Lance Stevenson, that he's not a consistent... You know, Lance is one of those guys that, you know, in one game, he can get you 20 points and shoot 40%, 45% from three, and then another day, you have eight points, and, you know, he goes one for 10 from three. So Lance is one of those guys where he's not inconsistent. He's, he's consistently inconsistent. I don't love those three... Outside of Rondo, I don't love the other two signings. I... I can under I can like them. I like them a little bit. I see the reasoning behind it. I don't love them necessarily. Um, I felt like the Lakers could have got a little bit better value for what they got um, for those guys. Now I know what the Lakers are trying to do. They're trying to keep their cap space for next year and beyond to maybe add another max max salary, i.e. Kawhi, maybe somebody else. So I get what the Lakers are doing signing the one-year contracts. I just kind of felt like there was better value to get in the market for than a Lance Stevenson and a JaVale McGee. Not that I don't like those players. I just kind of felt like there was a better value for those guys, those type of guys out there. Um, and so moving on from the Lakers, you know, just kind of more general free agency stuff. Then we get the bombshell on Monday evening as I'm going home from work that DeMarcus Cousins, because all weekend long it had been rumored that DeMarcus Cousins – was, you know, a guy that the Lakers were going to pursue. LeBron likes DeMarcus. DeMarcus wants to play in L.A. All the things that you're hearing, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, they signed Javon McGee. But I'm like, okay, that still doesn't prevent the Lakers from signing DeMarcus Cousins, even Julius Randle, and I'll get to Randle in a second. But there was still enough. Like, I was always under the feeling, like, if they could sign DeMarcus Cousins, great, sign him. If you can't, I want them to keep Julius Randle. Um, and I'm, and I was even under the case that I was like, I kind of want Julius Randle more than I want even DeMarcus because I'm not sure how healthy DeMarcus is going to be coming off that Achilles injury. He's, again, he's a big man, seven or six eleven, big guy. I know he's only 27, 28 years old, but he's a big guy coming off an Achilles injury. Those guys are generally never the same. Achilles injuries to me are one of the worst injuries you can get in basketball because they end careers and guys never really truly come back the same from Achilles injuries. Um, but whatever, be that as it may, um, um, all something that you're hearing, you know, rumors that LeBron, you know, LeBron's recruiting, you know, DeMarcus Cousins or that the Lakers are after DeMarcus Cousins, blah, 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 blah. And some of the moves would signify that they're kind of going after DeMarcus Cousins. And then Monday night happens 
and DeMarcus Cousins signs a one-year $5 million deal with the Warriors. Um, that is just amazing to me. Like, that is amazing. And it's amazing to me on several fronts. A, why the Lakers didn't give the same deal to DeMarcus Cousins. Like, if the Warriors were able to get DeMarcus Cousins for $5 million, I, I got to believe the Lakers were, were able to get that same deal in place. Maybe a little bit higher. Oh, who knows? Maybe he took lesser and lesser money to go to the Warriors, knowing that the Warriors already are a championship team and set while the Lakers are growing into that, but they're no, they're no, no guarantee just of yet. But whatever. I, I would think that you can secure that same deal from, from DeMarcus Cousins on the Lakers. And all the reports were that DeMarcus Cousins wanted to come to LA. The Lakers were willing, the Lakers were not willing to wait on DeMarcus Cousins, meaning that they weren't willing to sign DeMarcus Cousins and essentially stash him away till January, February for him to play. Be that as it may, I, I don't understand that. I, I don't understand that, but whatever. If that is the case, then to me, Julius Randle should have been your top option after that. Not signing JaVale. Like to me, if, if I had my druthers, I would have rather keep, with that money, I would have rather keep Julius Randle, especially for the two years, 20, I think he signed for two years, 24 or something like that. Two years, 24. So he didn't even get a lot of, a lot of money. I would have rather keep Julius Randle, not sign Lance Stevenson and JaVale McGee, and then probably try to supplement those guys with cheaper, a little bit better fitting options in the market. Um, but they didn't do that. So that was interesting. I, I kind of hate to see Julius Randle go. He was a guy that the Lakers drafted seventh overall back in 2014. Um, he's a guy that I've always been a fan of. I liked his game. I like the fact that he's constantly gotten better every year. He's improved himself. He made himself into a very, very good player. I think he's going to play very well in, in New Orleans. I think he's going to be a compliment to playing alongside of Anthony Davis. But I wanted the Lakers to keep him. Seems like there was a rupture in a relationship between Randall and the Lakers. I think there was something there. Um, Randall asked for me outrighted because he kind of felt like the Lakers weren't making him a priority. You can make, make of that what you wish. Um, I think it's a big blow. And I don't, well, I should rephrase. I don't think it's a big blow, but I think it's a tough loss for the Lakers. So I think you, it's, you hate to see a kid that you developed that turned himself into a very good player who you could have used. And, you you know, Randall could help this team. It would have been interesting to have Randall on this team with LeBron, with Ky- with with um, Kuzma, with Ingram, to, you know, to kind of see how the, all those pieces kind of fit. But, you know, it is what it is. As far as the Warriors signing DeMarcus Cousins, I, I was not happy about it. And I wasn't happy about it because it affected the Lakers directly. But I kind of feel like this kind of move here, this hurts the league, man. I mean, the NBA, look, I know Adam Silver can give all his speeches and give all his, you know, oh, the league is in its best place it's ever been, ratings, money-wise, blah, 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 blah. This hurts. I mean, if you're if, right now, if DeMarcus Cousins, and I, and I just said that this injury is the type of injury that can end careers, that guys are never the same. But if, let's just say DeMarcus Cousins comes back in March. Let's just, let's just play this out. Comes back March 1st. Or after the, after the, after the, after the All-Star game. Let's just say he comes back right after the All-Star game. You know, February 16th or something. Whatever. Pick a date. And he's 75%. Let's just say he's 70%. Who's beating the Warriors? Who's beating them? Think about it. Who is beating this team? 
And this idea that, oh, well, DeMarcus is a cancer and that people were worried about. Look, DeMarcus Cousins may be a lot of things. He's not stupid. DeMarcus Cousins is playing on a one-year, $5 million deal. Coming off an Achilles injury. DeMarcus Cousins is not stupid. DeMarcus Cousins is going to be on his best behavior. He's playing on a dynasty in the Warriors who've, who've already built a winning culture with a coach and a team full of winners. And DeMarcus Cousins know that, hey, I'm going to come here. I'm going to do everything they ask me to do. I'm not going to be stupid because I'm not going to fuck up my money. DeMarcus Cousins can be a lot of things. He's not stupid. Not to mention, he gets a chance to win a championship. Win a championship. Play with other great players. And if everything goes well, he can secure himself. And he shows that he's healthy. He can secure himself a max contract next offseason. So... It's in his best interest to make this work. So I believe DeMarcus Cousins will be on his best. DeMarcus Cousins will be a fucking choir boy on the Warriors. He'll be a choir boy on the Warriors. He's not stupid. He's not going to fuck that up. But if you're the league right now, like, this is bad. This is bad. And I'm a Laker fan, so it's not like I'm sitting here talking from a perspective of a, of a Hornets fan or, uh, you know, a... You know, or a you know a a uh, a Sacramento Kings fan or something like that. Like I'm a Laker fan, so you would think that I'm 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 ecstatic, I'm ecstatic and happy and joy, and I am those things. But this is bad for the league. Like just think, if this guy's seventy percent, just think if he's just seventy percent of what he was, who's beating that team? Who's beating that team? The Rockets? No. The Thunder? No. The Lakers with LeBron and Kuzma and Ingram? No. Who's beating them? This is bad for the league. The NBA right now has got some serious issues. There's no competitive balance. There's never really been competitive balance in the NBA. I get that. But there was always three or four teams that you could conceivably see as winning championships. There's, there's not that right now. Right now is currently constituted. Is there three or four teams that can win a championship? No. It's the Warriors and everybody else. And super teams are dominating the NBA right now. They just are. And the league has a major problem. Like, just think about it right now. And I hate to keep bringing up the Charlotte, you know, the Charlotte Hornets, like I'm picking on them. But if you're a Charlotte Hornet fan, what optimism do you have to watch NBA basketball next year? Aside from the fact that you're just a fan of basketball, like, what do you have to look forward to in your NBA season next year? You're not winning a championship. And okay, maybe if you have a very good year, if things break really right, you're a sixth, seventh seed, maybe, maybe. What does that get you? A six-game series against the Celtics or the Thunder or, or not Thunder, but the um, the Sixers or the Raptors. What does that get you? If you're the Pistons, what what do you have to look forward to next year? What if you're the Knicks? If you're the Bulls? If you're you know some bottom feeder, the Suns? What I mean, not so much the like the lottery teams, because you know, especially like the Suns, they have they have guys that they have the but you but you know what I mean. Like if you're the Pistons, if you're the the Hornets, if you're the you know the Sacramento Kings per se, if you're, you're those teams. Like, what do you really have to look forward to next year? You're not winning a championship. If everything breaks right, you're a middling playoff team. Like, there's nothing, and that's bad for the NBA. That's bad for the NBA because who I'm telling you right now, I'm asking again, who's beating the Warriors with DeMarcus Cousins at 70%? I'm not even saying that he comes back fully healthy. If he's 70%, he's better than any center that they've had ever, recently anyway. 
At 70%, he's better. And let's say they're all healthy. Who's beating that team? Who's beating them? Don't give me the Rockets. Don't give me the Thunder. Don't give me the Lakers. Don't give me the Trailblazers. Fuck no. Who's beating that squad? Nobody. 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 So I think this really hurts the league. The league will deny it. They'll say, ah, no, but my, you know, look at the ratings and blah, 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 dee, dee, da, 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 da. They'll say all those things to try to, to spin it, but the facts are the facts. You know, I tweeted when that deal came through. I was like, where's David Stern when you need him? You know, the league owners made such an outrage that the Lakers acquired Chris Paul back in 2012. You know, how dare they allow this? It's the Lakers getting better. It's the Lakers fleecing people, yada, yada. And that was on a trade. This is a free agency signing. And I know that they'll justify it as, well, guys have a right to go wherever they want to play. We may not like where they're going, blah, blah, blah. But but at the end of the day, free agency is your free will, your free choice. We can't control and blah, blah, blah. They'll say all those things. But this this still doesn't change the fact that this is bad. This is bad for the league. There's got to be a way where Adam Silver, and, and, and this is why I can't stand Adam Silver, because he's too much on the player's back. Adam Silver's a guy that just wants to get along with everybody. And that's smart for the most part. But I think sometimes you got to step in and say, you know what, this shit, we can't continue to allow this. This is making a mockery of our league. Again, I ask you, but put your real big thinking caps on right now. Who's beating the Warriors next year? If DeMarcus Cousins is even, forget 100%, if he's 70%. 65%. Who's beating the Warriors? Who's beating them? So that signing to me completely just, if there was any notion that the Lakers were going to be able to compete with the with the Thunder or with the Warriors, if the Warriors, for all the, the problems they had getting through the postseason run this year, you know, a little bit of fatigue, a little bit of mental, you know, erosion that occurred with that team, you know, all the Rockets fans that are trying to convince everybody that, you know, had Chris Paul played those last two games, the Warriors, you know, the Warriors would have been eliminated, all that, for all the vulnerability that the Warriors showed, the Warriors basically turned that on its head Monday night. And said, we're still here. We're still winning. I mean, I thought the Warriors were going to win a championship anyway next year with those guys. With the tur- with the current team that they had. And then they add DeMarcus Cousins. I mean, this shit isn't fair. I said it. I was like, this shit is a cheat code. This is a cheat code. Who's beating that team? Who's beating that team? Anyway, um, some other free agency news and notes, I guess. Um, surprise for a lot of us. Uh you know, uh, Paul George resigning with the Thunder. Um, I guess there was something to those rumors about him and, and, and Russell Westbrook really hitting it off and, you know, him really liking Oklahoma City and, you know, him choosing to stay a long term. And he signed long term too. So it's not like he did a two year and an opt out or anything like that. I mean, he decided to stay long term. Um, it's interesting. I mean, it's interesting. Um, the fact that he never really, interviewed or or um kind of went on the whole free agent uh gamut of meeting different teams and whatnot i know he kind of spoke to some teams here and there but for the most part it was just kind of the thunder he he had his mind made up that he was going back to oklahoma city for for a while now um if you kind of read the reports if you watch his little documentary which i didn't um it's a surprise to me 
I was never really in the Paul George bandwagon. I, I, I've, you guys have heard me saying on the show, I think Paul George is a little overrated. I think people think he's great when he's really a really good player, but I don't think Paul George is a great player. I don't think Paul George is a transcendent talent. I don't think Paul George is a guy that you put on your team and you're instantly talking about championships. I think Paul George is a great Robin to somebody's Batman. The problem with, with OKC is when Paul George is your Robin, he's a great Robin, but when your Batman has a litany of issues, that's the problem. And Russell Westbrook has a litany of issues. And Russell Westbrook has not proven that he's a guy that can that you can long-term, you can win with. He's not proven that. I think he's added to that conversation. He's added to that notion as opposed to debunk it, that you cannot win with that guy. You can't win with Russell Westbrook. You can't win. And this idea that, oh, well, they're another year, they'll be better, they'll be more comfortable. It could, it could be. But again, I don't love Billy Donovan as a coach. I think that team is already capped out. They're, you know, I know they're about to release Carmelo, but even then, they're still spending a hundred and something million dollars on that team. And that team is just not that good. I mean, look at that roster. I mean, outside of Russell Westbrook, Steven Adams, and Paul George, you know, who else on that team that you're like even immediately impressed by? They got, a, you know, they got some good pieces. Andrew Roberson, they got Grant. I mean, they got nice little players on that team, but that team's not that great. That team's not that good. So it's surprising to me that he decided to stay in, in OKC, but, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, it could be a mistake in the long run. Could be. Could be. The one that really surprised me is the amount of money that the fucking Rockets gave Chris Paul. Now, I know that the Rockets are in a situation where they're trying to win a championship, Chris Paul played great for them. You know, you could argue, you could argue that had he not gotten hurt, that who knows, maybe it's the Rockets are NBA champions right now. Who knows? Who knows? All I know is that I think it's a mistake giving $167 million, I think it was. And I'm I'm sorry if I'm not great with the, with the exact figures of these contracts, but whatever. Giving a guy, a guy who's 33 years old, who's always, always hurt. I mean, that's the one, if you, if you want to give, if you want to give, uh, Nathan Avaldi is perfect through six innings against the Mets right now. Rays lead seven, nothing. What else is new? The Mets are getting no hit. <laughs> what, what else is new? Jesus Christ. Oh God. Oh God. I swear to God. Just when you think it can't get worse, it gets worse. It's fucking Mets, man. Anyway, I digress. But anyway, uh, where was I? Um, Damn, where was I? Oh, giving Chris Paul $167 million. Look, giving a guy who's 33 years old, who has a myriad of injuries, he's always hurt. That's the one knock you can always, that's one of the two knocks you can always have on Chris Paul. That Chris Paul, before this year, had never gotten to a conference final, and that he's always hurt. I mean, Chris Paul sneezes, he's out for three weeks. Like, Chris Paul's always hurt. And that's the guy that you're giving a four-year max contract to? What's the last two years of that deal going to look like? It's going to be a disaster. A disaster. Four years, 160-something million dollars for Chris Paul, who's 33 years old, who's constantly hurt? I didn't think that was the smartest decision. I really didn't. Um, But, hey, it's not my money, so it's easy for me to say. But, you know, I I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have done that. 
Now I know that the Rockets are in a hard, rock and a hard place between a rock and a hard place because I I know that they like Chris Paul they like what he brought to that team he brought a toughness he brought a a winning attitude a winning mentality to that team that they didn't have beforehand they can make the case that hey had, had he been healthy or had he been just seventy five percent of what he was you know who knows we beat the Warriors I, you can debate that I still disagree I still think that you know when you have a fifteen point lead in game a seventeen point lead in game six and a fifteen point lead in game seven you have to win a game I don't care who's on the court win the game but you know. Be that as it may. So I, I found that signing to be interesting. Um, overall free agency, I mean, I guess nothing that's really been surprising. I mean, DeAndre Jordan opted out. We knew that was going to be the case, and he signs with the Mavericks. So the the Mavericks' long love affair with DeAndre Jordan is finally over. He's signed. Um, as far as we know, no Clippers have gone to his house to try to lock themselves in and barricade the door and keep, you know, you know, to keep Mavs executives away from him to try to secure the deal. So, so far, so good, I guess. And he's going to be a Maverick, at least for one year, $24 million. Um, I don't understand the love affair that the Mavericks have with DeAndre Jordan. Like, I like DeAndre Jordan, but I mean, geez, I mean, the Mavericks, I mean, they're just, it just seems like they've been connected to him for years. And I know he's, I know he's a very good center and they need a center and they haven't got a, they haven't had a big kind of shot blocking defensive player like that since Tyson Chandler. But I mean, geez, Louise. I mean, that fucking team is just infatuated with DeAndre Jordan. Um, but yeah, I mean, anything, everything else has just kind of been pretty, pretty kind of ho hum. I mean, nothing that's really kind of caught your attention per se. Like nothing that's like been like, oh wow, you know, didn't see that coming or, or anything like that. That, um, you know, kind of all the signings have been kind of pretty, pretty much kind of, huh. You know, a lot of one-year deals, a lot of two-year deals. So not a lot of money being doled out. Um, I think that's because a lot of teams don't have the cap space. So it's it's caused a little bit of an issue with a lot of guys not having the destinations to go to because just a lot of teams don't have the cap space. But um, overall, nothing really surprising with NBA free agency. The Kawhi Leonard saga still continues um, with no end in sight, really. Um now you're hearing stories leaked that, you know, the, the Spurs showed up to New York or wherever he was, you know, training, you know, he wouldn't let him in the building and he was hiding from them. And just, I mean, all these stories are getting, getting leaked. And I gotta be honest, they're making Kawhi Leonard look worse. And look, I didn't think you could make this guy look worse, but I mean, they're making him, if you believe everything, I gotta put that out there. If you believe everything that you hear, um, they're making Kawhi Leonard look, and I'm, and I have no doubt that the Spurs are the ones leaking these stories because I think they're mad. I think they're pissed off. I think they're like, okay, you know, you, you want to sit there and control the narrative and want to sit there and ask for a trade and demand, you know, we're going to leak shit out, make you look bad. And I think it's working. I mean, if I'm a, look, Kawhi Leonard is a great player. No one will ever argue that. But if I'm a GM of a team, I gotta strongly, seriously consider, is this a guy that I am going to invest long term, a max contract on? A guy who quit on an organization. I mean, you can, you can't argue that. Well, I, you can, but it's like, it's hard to debate one way or another that he quit, he quit on his team. This is a guy that was clear to play, clear to play and decided, nope, I'm not playing. Nope, I don't think I'm healthy. Nope, I don't want to play or I'm not trying to come back right now. I'll, I'll wait it out and see some more. You know, like this is a guy that essentially quit on his organization. And it's not like he quit on the, you know, he's not like he quit on the Kings. It's not like he quit on, you know, the, the, the Wizards. 
You know, he quit on the San Antonio Spurs, a, a, a five-time NBA champion, one of the best-ran organizations in all sports, the team of, of, of the last 20 years, you know, the last 10, 15 years in the NBA. You know, this is the organization that he quit on. It's not like he quit on, you know, the Knicks. He quit on the Spurs. I, I'm telling you right now, if I was a GM of any team, the Lakers, every any team, that's after Kawhi Leonard right now. Me and Kawhi Leonard and his agents and his uncle and his, his entourage, whoever's controlling this situation, would have to have a sit down and a long talk about what's going on. Because I, I would have some concerns. I would literally have some concerns. Because the Spurs organization is one of the they're they're immune to this shit. Like they never have these controversies. And this is a guy that essentially, I don't think you can argue with, quit on his organization. He quit on his team. He quit on Pop. He quit on those players in that locker room. That's why he can't go back to San Antonio. Like, that's why they have to trade him. Because he can't go back into that locker room. How do you go back into that locker room? I know Tony Parker is gone now and he's signed with, with, with Charlotte. But, you know, the, the, LaMarcus Aldridge is still there. You would think Manu maybe might come back. I mean, Greg Popovich is still there. I mean, the guys in that locker room are still there. They're still there. So if 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 I'm a guy in that locker room, like how do I face a Kawhi Leonard? Like this, knowing that this dude essentially quit on us last year, I would have a problem with that. And if I'm a GM, if I'm a coach, I would have to sit down and talk to this dude and legitimately like get his mind. I want to know what happened from his perspective because that wouldn't sit well with me. And the issue that the Spurs have is that they have no leverage. They have no leverage in the situation because teams know that he wants out of San Antonio. So teams are going to lowball San Antonio, not to mention the fact that he's a free agent in a year. He's a free agent. So if you're the Spurs, and, and teams are going to be concerned about giving up top flight talent and being burned. Like, I'm not going to give up three very, I'm not going to give, like, look at Indiana. Indiana. Made out like thieves for Chris Paul, for, for Chris Paul, for Paul George when they made that trade with the Thunder. Cause the, cause the Indiana essentially got Victor Oladipo, a very, very good player, Sabonis, a good player, other pieces there. Like they built their entire team now for the next two to three years on the trade that they made with Paul George. Now imagine if Paul George leaves OKC. How bad does that look for OKC that they gave up Sabonis, that they gave up Oladipo and those guys became even better players than they ever were in OKC. That would have looked horrible for OKC, but they didn't. He resigned, so you know they dodged a bullet there. But other teams are going to be worried about that. Other teams are going to be worried. Now I know what people say. Well, you know, there's no guarantee. Guys say that they want to go somewhere. Look at Paul George. Paul George, you know, everybody had Paul George in LA last summer. Blah blah blah. Look at him now. He's doing it. And I get that that's could happen. But Paul George is 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 an exception to the rule. A lot of times these guys go in free agency. And a lot of times these guys want to explore the market. They want to leave, or at the very least, want to see what's out there. So, if I'm a team, like let's just say I'm the Celtics. Why am I giving the Spurs Terry Rozier, Marcus Morris, and draft picks? Like, why am I doing that? Even if I wanted to get rid of those guys, even if I could, I could stomach losing those guys, why would I? The Spurs have no leverage in this situation because, A, they have to trade him. He wants to be gone, and he's a free agent. 
So they're losing all around. So if I'm the Spurs, I try to get the best deal available and I try to trade them. I don't think the Lakers are going to pull the trade off. I really don't. I think the Lakers are going to be smart enough to know that, hey, we're not going to go out here. We're not going to package Kuzma. We're not going to package Ingram. We're not going to package Hart. Trade our assets for a guy who's a free agent who essentially we could have next year for free. Well, not for free, but you know what I mean. Can't They don't have to sign, you know, they don't have to trade anything for him. They can just sign him as a free agent outright. Why would you do that? Even the Sixers, like, why would the Sixers give up Sarage and all those guys for a guy that they could potentially, potentially pursue in free agency next year? So I think this, I, I think it's very, very interesting what the Spurs are going to do. And I think the Spurs are going to try to maintain order here. I think they're going to try to maintain control of the situation. I don't think they're going to want to be, I don't think they want to be bullied or pushed into making a trade, especially a trade that they don't like. But I think the Spurs are going to have to have a come to Jesus moment eventually. I think the Spurs are going to have to analyze and say, okay, what are we doing here? Obviously, we can't bring him back. Obviously, he doesn't want to come back and we have to trade him and he's a free agent. We have to get something for him. We lose him for nothing. What are we doing here? Are we going to take the best offer available? Are we going to try to hold out? Are we going to try to bring him back into camp and just say, fuck it and just deal with it? I think it's going to be interesting. I don't think they're going to say, fuck it, just deal with it. Um, because Brandon Nimmo broke up the no hitter. Um, so no, no hitter anymore for the Mets. They're still down seven nothing and they still fucking suck. Anyway. Um, so I don't think that the Spurs are going to do that. I think the Spurs are one way or another going to have to trade him. I don't think even the Spurs can't say, hey, we can bring this guy back. Like, I, I just, I don't, there's too much that has gone on now that I don't think that you can bring this guy back. I think it's almost impossible now. You know, I, I just don't see it. So it's going to be interesting what they do. It's going to be really, really interesting what they do. I, I think this Kawhi Leonard situation is going to be still in the news for the next couple of weeks because I don't, I don't see an end in sight. I mean, I, I just if the Spurs don't get what they want, I, I don't see what the end result is going to be because I don't see him coming back to San Antonio. So maybe they just trade him for nickels on the dollar. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <sighs> It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Uh, UFC uh, 226 last night. Daniel Cormier is now the new uh, UFC World Heavyweight Champion. Uh, he defeated Myosic. That was a surprise for me because I did not see that uh, happening. I didn't see Myosic basically being dominated the way he was by um, by Cormier. I know Cormier had this, you know, the power advantage over Myosic. Although Myosic has the size advantage, um, Cormier is known for his power, for his rap, for his wrestling, his grappling, and he kind of just dominated Myosic. I mean, I was surprised. I didn't watch the fight. I kind of watched it. Um, I pirated it um, after the fact on. And I, I kind of got to watch that fights particularly because I, you know, obviously we heard all the things about Brock Lesnar and him challenging Brock Lesnar. And apparently that fight is going to happen. Brock is back in UFC. Woohoo. Um, so, you know, so I like Cormier. I, 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 I don't understand the hate that Cormier gets sometimes from people in the MMA community. I like Cormier. I think he's a very good fighter. Um, and I'm very surprised. I, I didn't see him dominating Myosic. Like, I thought he could win, but I didn't see him dominating Myosic like that. And he completely dominated Myosic. I mean, complete, just complete domination of him, knocked him out. And he is now the, uh, UFC world heavyweight champion, champion across two different weight classes, uh, rarefied air, I believe. He's not been there. I think him, uh, Connor, another guy, maybe, um, 
been the only guys that have ever done that. And essentially now setting up a fight between him and um, Brock Lesnar um, at a later date, maybe. Um, I think you got to think sometime around the fall, maybe November, one of the big UFC shows in November, maybe, or in December, who knows. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very, very interesting. I thought that was interesting little tidbits uh, that came out from last night in sports. Um, baseball is what it is. Uh, after, I think after today, um, I think we'll start to transition more to baseball, talking about baseball a little bit more. It's been a lot of, it's been real NBA centric the last few weeks. I mean, it's been with the finals and then the draft and then obviously free agency. We've had a pretty heavy NBA show the last couple weeks. So we're going to transition more to kind of talking about everything. Training camps are about to open up at the end of the month. Uh, baseball, it's, it's at where it's at. I got a lot of things to say about baseball. So we'll definitely get into it as the next couple weeks roll around. We'll, we'll start to, you know, kind of disperse the love a little bit. You know, we've been a little bit too basketball heavy, but I mean, this is the time of year to be basketball heavy. I mean, it's, it's with the finals, with, with the draft and all that, everything that's going on in the NBA. I mean, it's just, so I think that this week's show will probably be the last show that we solely focus on the NBA. Um, you know, aside of, you know, maybe a big signing or a big trade, obviously the Kawhi Leonard trade is still, you know, still to be decided, I guess. Um, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see, um, you know, what happens in the NBA. But for right now, I think that this, this will be the last kind of full NBA heavy conversation show that we'll have for a while, you know, at least until the season starts or whatever. So, um, trying to think of other things that, um, I mean, baseball is what it is right now. I mean, uh, the Nationals looked dead in the water a couple weeks, you know, a couple days ago, actually. They got swept by the Red Sox this week. Um, there was a lot of talk about maybe the Nationals might consider trading or should consider. I would say will consider. They should contra- consider trading Bryce Harper. I don't, I don't see that. I don't think the Nationals will ever trade Bryce Harper. I think the, I think the Nationals still feel like they're in it. Um, the Marlins came into town and, pre- and proceeded to do the Marlins be the Marlins and do Marlin things and basically get beat down by the Nationals. So the Nationals have been able to kind of catch their breath here the last couple days and right the ship a little bit. So the Nationals are still trailing the Braves, I believe, by six games, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so they're still in third place in that division. But I think the Nationals are still going to – I don't think they're going to trade our Harper, obviously. They still feel like they're in it. Um, they still feel like at the very least they can probably get a wild card spot. So – um, you know, maybe the division's out, but you know, the wild card is definitely there. So, um, you know, the Nationals were an interesting story this week. And then the Yankees and the Red Sox. I mean, they continue to continue to be the two best teams in baseball or two of the three best teams in baseball along with the Astros. It's going to be interesting to see how that race plays out. Um, the Astros are the Astros. The Mariners, I mean, the American League is pretty much set. Um, there's not a lot of mystery going on in the in the American League right now. I mean, that's that's a bad thing for baseball. I mean, you think about it right now on July eighth. You know, the five playoff teams in the American League are pretty much set, with no real chance of change. I mean, I, I guess the Mariners can collapse. I mean, the Mariners are are not a guarantee. The Angels can get hot. There's another team out there that could probably get hot. We'll see. But outside of that, I mean, you know. I don't see much change in American League right now. I mean, I, I think those five teams are pretty much going to be the five teams, you know, in October. I mean, I you know, maybe the Mariners fall fall back. I, I don't see it. But, you know, the American League playoffs are pretty much set. The NL is wide open. The NL is completely wide open. 
And this is the most wide open I've seen the National League in a long time. Like, really in a while. Like, the National League is completely, completely wide open. Like, think about it. You know, you got the Braves, the Phillies, the Nationals, and the NL East. You got the NL Central with the Brewers and the Cubs. And then the Cardinals are still somewhat in the race. And then you got the NL West, which is a complete, you know, wide open mess. I mean, you got the Dodgers, you got the Diamondbacks, you got the Giants. The Rockies are still somewhat in the periphery there. Um, so, I mean, the NL is wide open right now. I mean, if you told me right now that, you know, the Dodgers win the NL West, Cubs win the NL Central, you know, Nationals win the NL East. I can see it. If you told me that the Braves won the NL East, the, the Brewers won the NL Central, and that the, you know, Diamondbacks won the NL, I can see, I mean, I can see any one of the four teams in every division. Well, except for the NL East, cause that's a three team, uh, I can see any of the three or four teams in every division having a chance to win that division. I mean, it's completely wide open. I mean, completely, completely, completely wide open. There's no dominant team in the NL right now. So, you know, even the Brewers and the Cubs, they're not great teams. They're flawed. They have their issues. I think the Cubs desperately need starting pitching. And I don't love that Cubs bullpen either. So I think the I think the Cubs need pitching. I think the Brewers need pitching. I don't love the Brewers starting rotation, especially in October. You know, I think the NL East, I mean, the Braves, the Bra- I, 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 I swear I don't know how the Braves are doing it. Because the Braves really don't have great starting pitching. Like they, you know, they have some young guys that are pitching well, but I, I still don't love their starting pitching either. And I don't love their bullpen either. So, you know, their offense is what carried them. So I don't know how the Braves are doing it. The Phillies could use, you know, the Phillies could use some bullpen help. Um, you see the, you see the common trend there is bullpen, um, and pitching. Um, so the Phillies could use another arm or two in that bullpen. Um, you know, the Nationals, I mean, the Nationals are so weird. The Nationals just need their guys to play better. Like, Murphy has not had a great year. He's dealt a lot with the, you know, he's had the bad knee injury. Um, Bryce Harper's been in a, in an epic slump. Trey Turner's up and down. Sometimes he's up, sometimes he's down. Trey, I mean, Soto's been their best player really all year, and he's only been up, what, for what, four weeks? So Soto's been probably their best player. So the Nationals just need the guy, their guys to just play better. Um, and the NL West, the Dodgers, you know, they got off to such a bad start that they're finally starting to kind of get the ball rolling, but we'll see. I mean, the Dodgers aren't great. The Dodgers need more pitch. I, I don't love, I never have loved that starting pitching. Outside of Kershaw, that starting pitching is very average to me. Very, very average. So the Dodgers to me could use another rotation piece in that, you know, and, and also a piece in the bullpen. So, um, the Giants definitely rotation. I mean, again, this is a common theme. A lot of these teams need help pitching wise. A lot of these teams need help pitching wise. Arizona, Arizona could use another bat. Um, Colorado, they just need their bullpen arms that they spent a bazillion fucking dollars on to pitch well. Um, but even Colorado's not out of it. Colorado can make a run here. I mean, you know, I know that Colorado's been the one team that's been kind of a disappointment. Everybody expected Colorado to be better than what they've been. And that's the thing. Colorado's had their young pitchers. See, when you rely on inexperienced young pitchers, Rookie pitchers, and that's what they did last year. I mean, they essentially essentially relied on rookie pitchers last year, and they've all kind of come back to the pack. They've all kind of fallen apart on them. And then, of course, their bullpen that they spent billions and billions of dollars on has been a complete and utter bust. So, you know, now the Rockies are kind of soul-searching for themselves right now. What are they going to do? I still think the Rockies are still in it, but, I mean, barely, 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 barely. So the NL is wide open. I mean, 
If you told me right now the Cubs can be in the World Series, I'd say, okay. If you told me right now the Brewers can be in the World Series, I said, okay. If you told me right now the Nationals or the Braves or the Phillies can be in the World Series. I mean, I, the, the National League is as wide open as I've seen it in a while. So, you know, it, it's going to be interesting. I think I think the story in baseball this summer is definitely going to be the National League. I, I think the American League is pretty much set. Um, I think there's going to be some interest in the three teams and whether they're going to win 100 games. First time ever that three teams in one, in one league win 100 games. That's, that, man, bourbon. That's going to be very interesting. Um, but yeah, I, you know, so we shall see what happens. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much it with baseball. Like I said, we'll, we'll definitely, you know, shift the conversation to talking about baseball more. Um, we'll have some guests lined up definitely to cover, break down the first half of the season, the all-star game, uh, the trade deadline. We'll have some guests lined up in the next couple of weeks, but that's pretty much it when it comes to baseball, man. Um, not much going on. Um, Again, America League is pretty much boring right now. I guess if you're a Mariners fan, you're gonna break this drought so that you have you have something to be excited about. Obviously, if you're a Yankee, ugh, Red Sox fan, Astro fan, you have something to be excited about. And I'm and I'm sliding the Indians because the Indians just played a fucking terrible division. I mean that division. I mean the Indians to me. I mean the Indians. What I think they have the biggest division lead of anybody in baseball right now. And it's not because they've just been so great. It's just because the rest of that division is just trash. I mean, the Tigers are rebuilding. The Twins have been a disappointment. The White Sox are the White Sox, and the Royals are fucking god-awful. So, you know, the Indians by default. I mean, the Indians could, you know, the Indians by default will win that division. I mean, the Indians could basically sleepwalk from now to October and they'll win that division by 10 games. So, you know, if I'm sliding the Indians, it's, it's just because that division is just so bad. But I, you know, the Indians, I'm not, I think the Indians need a bat. I think it's going to be interesting to see whether they get Machado. Um, you know, we'll, we'll break down Machado more when he, when he eventually gets traded. Um, there's a lot of teams that are after Machado, Diamondbacks, the Dodgers, the Indians. Um, I definitely think the Indians could use him. Um, here's the difference with Machado and a guy like Kawhi Leonard in the NBA getting traded. Machado was definitely a one-year rental. Like, I don't see him resigning when, even if he goes to like the Dodgers, a big market team, like, I don't see him resigning with any of those teams. I think Machado is going to be a free agent. He's going to test the market. And I think he's going to want to get a $300 million deal, you know, a 10-year, $300 million deal. So any team that trades for Machado has to know that they're definitely getting a rental. Um, so it's going to be interesting. And the thing is, like, and the difference with, you know, with that in like a, a Kawhi Leonard situation is that, you know, there's no way he resigns with Cleveland. There's no way he resigns with Arizona. There's no way he resigns with the, a small market, you know, team. Even the Braves that they make a trade. Like, there's no way he resigns with those teams. Like, you know, if Kawhi Leonard gets traded to Philly, you know, Philly has the wherewithal financially to sign him. If, if Kawhi Leonard gets traded to, you know, Portland, Portland has the wherewithal, you would think, to sign him. You know, the, the Phillies, you know, I mean, not the Phillies. The Phillies have money, but the Braves, you know, the, the the Indians. These teams don't have the wherewithal to sign Manny Machado. So if they're trading for him, they're essentially renting him for one, you know, basically one pennant race. So that's the interesting part. But but yeah, I, you know, that the the NL Central is going to be interesting to look at because it's going to be just how not the NL Central, the AL Central, because just it's going to be how the Indians can basically sleepwalk and win that division. Um, but if they get Machado, I think the Indians definitely put themselves back in the conversation with the Yankees, with the Red Sox, and the Astros. Because I think that's the big, that's their biggest. Their bullpen hasn't been as great um, as it's been the last few years. Um, you know, Miller hasn't been as dominant. Um, 
you know, Cody Allen. I, I, Cody Allen's up and down sometimes. So their bullpen hasn't been as great, but I, I still think that if they if they can if they're able to go out there and maybe get another bullpen arm and get a Machado, then I think they definitely vault themselves back in the conversation because their starting rotation is still pretty good. Corey Kluber is Corey Kluber. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens with the Indians, but yeah, so it's going to be interesting summer of baseball because you know you basically got one league right now that es- essentially has been decided. So. Yeah. Brothers and sisters. No children. Brothers and sisters. I don't know what this world is coming to. Fouls of the week. And uh, my foul of the week this week goes to Jameis Winston and the whole Jameis Winston saga suspension. Um, I know I'm a couple weeks late, but I haven't had a chance to talk about this and I didn't get a chance to talk about it the last episode of the podcast. And obviously we didn't, I didn't post the show from last week. So I guess I, uh, good time to talk about it now. Just my foul of the week on this. And look, I, I can come at this from several different angles. Um, I know a lot of people want to criticize the NFL and their personal conduct policy and, you know, Goodell and look, I, I never pass up an opportunity to fucking rip the NFL because I think the NFL is, is just stupid and hypocritical and at times racist and a bunch of things. And I never, never, ever pass up an opportunity to criticize the NFL, but I don't, I mean, I don't, honestly, I don't know. The only thing you could criticize the NFL is, is their handling and their consistency about suspensions. If they have a personal conduct policy where they're saying that, no matter what the situation, no matter what the situation is, no matter what the facts are, whatever, whatever the case may be, zero tolerance for any situation involving, you know, uh, sexual harassment, sexual abuse, you know, whatever, six game suspension. Well, then how does Jameis Winston end up with three? And I get maybe he cooperated for and all the other things that you hear is that he cooperated with NFL investigators and he basically was forthright and, and, answer all the questions I need to, I, I get that. So I, but if you want to knock the NFL, yeah, you know, the fact that they're not consistent with their, with their policies about suspensions and whatnot. And it's always a dangerous game with personal, with, with leagues and, you know, private organizations when they have these kind of personal conduct policies. There's always, it's always a dangerous thing to have because as we've seen, the U.S. justice system is inconsistent in how they try and, and, you know, delegate and, and, you know, dictate laws and implement punishment. If the US, if the U.S. justice system, the system that has been put in place to, you know, regulate and enforce laws, if that's inconsistent in how it's applied in practice, not just by skin color, but just in any different amount of cases and situations, then how is a private organization like the NFL, who's worth billions, but still at the end of the day, it's not a judicial system. It's not a law organization. It's a fucking sports league. How are they going to get it right? So if the US justice system can't get it right, how's the NFL system going to get it right? But whatever. So that's always a dangerous thing. But I mean, what do you want the NFL to do? I mean, none of us were there. So I can't speak on what happened and how it happened and what, what the situation was. Like I hear people say, Oh, Jameis Winston didn't do it. How do you know? You weren't there. I wasn't there. You weren't there. I mean, we don't know. We weren't in that Uber with them. So I don't know what happened didn't happen. And I'm not going to sit here and try to defend one side or the other. All I know is what I, I'll tell you what I do know. And this is why he's getting a foul. Jameis Winston continues to put himself in precarious situations. He just does. And I had this discussion with Ken a couple months ago when when uh, Ken was on the show. And Ken is obviously a big Jameis Winston supporter. 
And we went back and forth on this whole Jameis Winston situation. And the biggest problem that I have with Ken is that, oh, uh, he's being picked on because he's black and blah, 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 blah. And to a certain extent, that may be true. But Jameis Winston isn't helping the situation by putting himself in these constant situations where there's just – you. it's one thing when it's a – see, here's the thing. NFL teams will tolerate a wide receiver acting up. They'll tolerate a DB acting up. They'll tolerate an offensive lineman acting up. They'll tolerate almost any position on the football field acting up, making an ass out of themselves, embarrassing the organization. They'll, they'll tolerate that. In some kids' situations, they won't because they'll just cut you depending on your, your, your greatness level. Let's be fair. I mean, if you're, if you're an all pro, they're not going to cut you. If you're, if you're Richie Incognito, they'll probably cut you. If you're Orlando Pace, you'll survive. If you're Richie Incognito, you get cut. That's just the way it works. Just the way it works in all sports, in all walks of life. Really. You know, if Mike Trout gets in trouble, he might get a slap on the wrist. If, you know, you know, if Ronnie Torres of the Yankees is on the same team and he gets in trouble, you know what? He may not get a slap on the wrist because he's not a superstar. It's just the way it works. And anybody that disagrees or doesn't think so is stupid. That's the way it works. But the NFL, they'll tolerate almost any other guy or any other position being an ass except the quarterback. The quarterback is the face of the franchise. The quarterback is the leader of the franchise. In a lot of ways, he's the figurehead. I know they have the owner and the GM, but the but the guy, the, the NFL quarterback is the most recognized, the most important position in all of sport, in all of American sports. He's the guy. And when that guy is a head case, when that guy is in trouble with the law, when that guy is in trouble constantly and puts himself in bad situations, that's just a bad look on the, obviously, Jameis Winston, but it's a bad look on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's a bad look on the entire organization, the entire NFL as a whole. And this guy continues to put himself in bad situations. It just does. It just does. You would think, you would think Jameis Winston, after going through what he went through at Florida State, if you would think anybody would be just on guard and would just not even allow himself to be put in that situation as Jameis Winston, but no, he doesn't learn. He consistently continues to put himself in these situations. And now here we are. Here we are. You would think after Florida State, which wasn't exactly a shining moment. And if you read the New York Times and if you do a, a lot of extra research, the way that case was handled was not a shining exemplification of law and order and abiding by the justice system. The Tallahassee police was not great. Florida State was not great. And look, I don't knock Florida State. I mean, I like to rip Florida State as much as anybody, but I don't knock them because they're certainly not the first organization that's going to put winning above anything else. They won't be the first. They won't be the last. They put winning above everything else, including rape. But let's be real here. This is a guy that got, that potentially got off with rape, got away with rape. The first time around. And then you put yourself in the same, in a similar situation now with an Uber driver? Really, Jameis? And if I'm a Tampa Bay Buccaneer owner, if I'm the Glazers, if I'm the GM, if I'm a Tampa Bay Bucks player, if I'm a Tampa Bay Bucks fan, I have to seriously consider if this is the guy that I can build my organization around going forward. If this is the guy. I've never been a huge Jameis fan, Jameis Winston fan to begin with. And all he's done is add to that by A, being consistently in trouble. And let's 
not forget he has not been great on the field either. Now, not, not all of that has not been his fault. They've had two coaching changes. They've made some bad free agent decisions. But that team has got talent. So it's not it's not like he's playing on a talent starved team. But he isn't, I think he's like 13 and I think he's like 13 and 20 as a starter or something like that. 13 and 20. I, I don't know the exact figures. Let's just say he's not great. Let's just put it that way. He has not been great. And he was the number one overall pick, and he was seen as the savior of the franchise. And he's a guy that was picked in another. Uh, he was a guy that was picked ahead of another guy, Marcus Mariota, who right now, if you, if you had to be fair, you would take Marcus Mariota over Jameis Winston. He's been in the playoffs. He's had a pretty good career so far. That's even with a serious broken leg that he sustained two years ago. Right now, you would take Marcus Mariota over Jameis Winston. You just would. And guess what? Marcus Mariota's not in trouble. Marcus Mariota's not putting his hand on Twitter driver on, on Twitter drivers, on, on Uber drivers. And Marcus Mariota's not out there, you know, stealing crab legs. And Marcus Mariota's not throwing footballs at, at fucking media personnel at practice. And Marcus Mariota's not out there giving motivational speeches and then his team gets fucking smoked. And he's not doing stupid things. And oh, by the way, he's winning. Winning playoff games. So if I am a Bucks fan and I'm a Bucks executive and I'm a Bucks owner, if I'm if I'm the Glazer family right now, I'm literally sitting back now. And I think this is the last year of his rookie deal, if I'm not mistaken. Or I think it may be like this year and an option next year. Whatever the case may be, I'm seriously considering like, is this a guy that I want to invest long term to be the face of my franchise? Is this the guy that I'm going to give 20, 30, 40% of my cap of my cap to? Is this a guy that I'm going to give $30 million to to be my quarterback? I think these are serious, long conversations that I think th- that the Glazers are definitely having right now. Now, maybe they're not having, but I think they should be. I think they definitely should be. And again, you can you can rip the NFL all you want. Fine. Fine. You can. I but to me, Jameis Winston's the real story here. He's the real story. And he continues to be a problem. So my foul of the week goes to Jameis Winston. My, my leftover foul of the week, because Jameis Winston's been a foul of the week for like the last two weeks. I haven't had a chance to talk about it, but he's been a foul. So my foul of the week, Jameis Winston. This dude's got to grow up, man. He just has to. He has to. And the sad part is that he's got talent. He's got talent, but just I don't know if I don't know if he's just got bad people around him or what. I I I, I don't know, but he's clearly not making smart decisions. And again, when you're a wide receiver, you can be an you can be an idiot. When you're an offensive lineman, you can be an idiot. When you're the quarterback, you can't be an idiot, or you can be, but you can't present yourself as an idiot, and that's the problem. Anyway, I'm going to get up out of here, man. Enjoy my uh, my Sunday afternoon. It's nice out, and I want to get out there, get outdoors, and enjoy my day, man. I hope you guys have a happy, safe, blessed rest of your Sunday and rest of your week, man. It's summertime. Go out, get out, enjoy it. Uh, the weather's nice. We only get a couple of these days, man. We only get a few of these days. We only get three and a half months of summer most places. So enjoy it, man, before the dread of winter and fall or depending on wherever you're at comes back. And 
and we're all inside miserable on a Sunday <laughs> watching crappy football. Um, so enjoy it, man. For real. I'm going to enjoy mine. So yeah, man, I'm going to get up out of here. Um, as always, man, thank you for listening and supporting to the, supporting the show. If you like what you're hearing, if you like what you're listening, um, please drop us a review on iTunes. I always say that, you know, your reviews are what keeps the show growing, what keeps the grow, what keeps the show getting noticed and growing and going up the rankings. So, um, if you like the show, man, just drop us a quick review, man, and, and let everybody know why you like the show and, you know, give us a rating, a review, whatever, man. Anything that you could desire. I mean, you don't have to go out there and drive, write a book report, but just give us a, a quick couple sentence of what you like about the show, man. It definitely helps. It definitely helps us get noticed. Um, as always, you can listen and subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever there's podcasts available for free. We are there um also you can follow me on social media on uh twitter follow me at the manual brown on instagram at the manual brown and on snapchat at manny bro 15 um follow the show on twitter at the tf podcast one on instagram at the tf podcast and on facebook the technical file podcast become a member of our tfp nation it's a fan uh fan site where you can interact with us uh, part of the TFP nation, uh, rest of the TFP nation, uh, me, the host, whatever. You can just post memes, post, uh, articles, stories, share insights, post funny memes, all that, all that stuff, man. It's a good time. It's a good community. There's a bunch of sports fans that get rowdy, crazy. Um, so yeah, man, uh, definitely join that. It's, it's a fun time. Um, always, um, again, I thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for supporting the show. I'm going to get up out of here. Um, We'll catch y'all next week with another episode of the podcast, man. I am Manny Fresh, and I am out. Peace. Serious sound. Thank you.